All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. What is going on, everybody? Thank you for joining us again on a little belated Wednesday episode, dropping it on a Thursday. Tim was Tim was traveling back from California yesterday, so we really couldn't make things work. It's, when you're a mover and a shaker like Tim is, I am a slave to his schedule. He basically says, meet me here and we're going to record. And I said, okay, Tim, sounds good. Yeah. And that's what we do. And so he said, I can't, I can't do it today. I got to meet some people. I got to go around, get my last, you know, pictures in of San Francisco and I'll catch you tomorrow. So that's what we did. And now here we are, Tim. How are you? How was your flight? How was your trip back? You got a glow about you. All California sunned up. Tell us about it. The trip was good. The trip was good. A lot of fun. We saw a, a concert, a little rock show. We did some touristy stuff and a lot of bike riding. And the flight back was much better than the flight out because it was the first flight. I had another uh, middle seat. And then the guy next to me was like, hey, no pressure, but that's my wife behind us. She got the window seat and we love to sit together. So we, I switched with the wife and I got the window seat for the whole five hour flight. So it was great. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to uh, go, no pressure, but my wife really wants to sit with you. <laughs> <laughs> Can we buy you a drink? Uh, so, yeah, that was good. And then uh, the short flight from Chicago to Traverse City also had a window site in like the fifth or sixth row, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, much easier. I was able to sleep. I was able to just, you know, nod off and it was great. And I gave the person with the middle seat the armrest because I had my own. I had the wall. You don't need both arm armrests if you're on the window seat. You're manspreading if you take both armrests and you're on a window seat. You you're mansplaining are. if you explain that to me. I am mansplaining. I'm a I do you know why I do that? Because I am a man, I guess. So everything I do is is centered around man. I'm man drinking a sip of coffee right now. Tell tell them what you had for breakfast. A man lasagna. I had it's lasagna. In the morning. He's eating lasagna. Well, I wake up at 5.30, I pack my lunch for work, I go to church in the morning, I get done, I come to work, and I'm hungry, I don't have breakfast, so I'm like, yeah, what am I going to eat? And so I have a little lasagna, so sue me, what now you, I'm having a sleeve of crackers. So what are you going to do at noon then? You're just not going to eat the rest of the day? Oh no, I'm going to go get lunch. 
of course. Go to Subway. Eat fresh, Tim. We got to get Subway as a sponsor. It's right beside my work. I don't like Subway, but it's right there. It's just convenience factors through the roof. I know I could do DoorDash, but sometimes you just want to get it done quick. Door like Subway's right there. All right. While you're in California, you got me thinking. There is a couple teams in California that are making a little making a little noise. Good and bad. Start with the Anaheim Ducks. All of a sudden, they went from a team who was just an afterthought this year, a team who everyone thought was rebuilding. They had a lot of things they needed to work out. Their salary cap situation is getting better, but it's not strong. All of a sudden, don't look now. The Anaheim, is it the Anaheim Ducks or the Anaheim Mighty Ducks? The Ducks. They got rid of the Mighty. They're not Mighty anymore. Anaheim average Ducks. They've won eight games in a row. They are playing great hockey. They don't have really any massive superstars. How are they doing this team? You were in California. You are obviously an insider with the Anaheim Ducks now. Tell us about, uh, other than Isaac Lundstrom, who has my vote for the heart already locked up, who who do they have in Anaheim that's really pacing this eight-game eight game win streak they got going? Well, it's funny because, like, I'm looking at their salary cap right now, and they don't have anyone making more than 5.8, which is Adam Henrique and Silverberg making 5.2, and then even Getzloff's only making $3 million. So they're doing it with, like, you know, the, the kids, basically. Getzloff just had his 1,000 points the other night. I want to get to that in a minute. But it's the young kids scoring, which is pretty cool to see. Um, they've got, like, 20-year-olds on every line, basically. We talked about Troy Terry last week, what he's been doing. They brought in Kevin Shattenkirk. He's playing really well. Cam Fowler's playing really well. Like it's just a, it's just a, a team that they don't need one superstar. Um, but I'm I'm kind of wondering your thoughts on like is this a cool story in November or is this like a legit is this a legit team is this a legit start to the season? This is going to be a theme throughout this whole season. It seems like if you're in the Pacific Division, you have a chance to win. We say it every single episode. I feel like it's just going out of style. But if you're in the Pacific Division, you can make the playoffs no matter how much talent you have on your team. There, There is no clear-cut favorite in the Pacific other than the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. That's two spots that are locked up. Other than that, the next two spots are up for grabs. The next six teams, they're going to jockey the whole whole way in. If you get hot, you win eight, nine, ten in a row, you're going to be in the playoffs because there's there's no really, really good teams out west right now. Other than uh, Edmonton and Calgary are the two outliers. They're very good teams. I like both those teams. But like if you're the Ducks, if you're LA, if you're San Jose, if I'm obviously Arizona's not in that boat, but if if you're any one of those teams, you can get hot and all of a sudden make a run towards the playoffs, especially with Vegas. Who knows what Vegas is going to do? They they're not looking like the team we thought they were going to be. So Yes, it is expected because it's just such a crapshoot out there. And I think Anaheim, when you look at their roster, when you look at what they've done, they have a decent team. They have a good, strong center core, Getzlaff leading the way. They got Trevor Zagres and then Lundstrom, who is the best third-line center arguably in the world. So they, they got the center position locked down, and their defense are just – they're a mix of veterans and young kids. You know, they, they didn't overextend contracts like we saw this offseason with nine, $10 million contracts being thrown around like it was going out of style. They quietly put together a group of six guys who have some, you know, experience like a Shattenkirk, Cam Fowler, a Josh Manson. They, they sprinkle in some young guys in Drysdale and Benoit. 
and you got Hampus Lindholm. You don't, that's a decent six demon you can throw out there every single night. You got a little bit of everything. And then the thing that saves everything, the thing that smooths everything over, if things go awry, you have John Gibson, who, in my opinion, is one of the top five goaltenders in the league. And he has been ever since he's entered the league. He's really, really good. He, he makes up for a lot of the mistakes that the guys make. And he just is a solid, solid goaltender. I don't know what else you could ask for in a goaltender other like with John Gibson. He goes about his business. He's never in the media. He just saves the puck. That's all he's there to do, and that's what he does. He doesn't give up bad rebounds. He doesn't let in bad goals every once in a while. He, he's very solid. He saves the puck. He saves the shots that he needs to save, and he makes a couple of highlight reel saves every now and again. Like That's all he needed of an NHL goaltender. So will they falter? Will they fall back? Yeah, they'll have their struggles, but I like Anaheim. They got, they got a little grit. They're, as a wise theologian used to say, they're very hungry. So I, I don't see this ending when you can line up and you're the Anaheim Ducks and you can look in your next however many games and you say oh well who am I going to play this week oh well guess what hold on let me let me look up their their uh, schedule right now if you can look at the Anaheim Ducks schedule and say oh I'm going to play San Jose Vancouver Seattle Vegas and LA like I don't see why they're going to lose any of those games and I didn't look up their schedule. I know they're out East, East right now, so they got Carolina and Nashville coming up. But when you get to play that type of talent every or lack of talent every single night, you're expected to win all those games. So they're first place, Tim. Did you know that in the Pacific? Not the Pacific, the entire Western Conference. Are they in the entire Western? Good for them. Yes. Mind you, they played two more games at Edmonton. They've got a couple games in hand, but I like it. I like they're winning their games they're supposed to. They're competitive in the games that they're maybe out, outgunned. And it's a good story. I think they will, you know, persevere throughout the season. It's a long season. They've only played 17 games. But at the end of the day, I think they're a playoff position team. And then we touched on this just a second ago, but Ryan Getzloff got his 1,000 point on a goal by, um, gosh, I forget, Manson, I think. Um, so he just said that. Now, he played just over 1,000 games, 1,118. So it's pretty much just under a point per game for his career. What was he like to play against? I know he's a big, strong guy. He's super talented. What was the, the game plan on him? Do you have any cool like stories or interactions? Well, before we get into that, doesn't it surprise you that he's only played that that little amount of games? Uh, yeah, probably a little bit. Like he came into the league in 2005, 2006. It, it's, it's shocking to me that he's only played 1,100 games. I would have figured he'd be at 12, 13, 1,400 games already, but um, just cool stories with him. Not like we played him all the time. We had such a big rivalry with Anaheim when I was in San Jose. Like every time we went in there, I hated playing against him. And the guy, he was, he was very unassuming. He just went about a business. The guy who everyone hated was Corey Perry. He was, he's the guy who would chirp and like chirp at everybody. I, I would beat up George Peros and he would come in and be like, I am lucky shot, Scott, you know, this and that. I'm like, like, what are you talking about? Gets laugh. You just, he was just a big moose man. He's just a big body player who goes about his business. He's got excellent hands. He's got unbelievable vision and he doesn't take guff. He stands six, three, but on the ice, I feel like he, he feels like he's six, five. Like he's just a big human being. He's got a big frame. Like, People think Joe Thornton's big. Joe's skinny. You know, like he he's six four, but he's every bit of 205, 210 pounds. Getzlaff has got some LBs on him. 
Like he's a big boy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's tipping the scale to 235. Like he's a hefty human being who goes out there. He, and he's got some good speed and he just, he's so good. Like he, he reminds me of a Rick Nash, but not as fast. You know what I mean? And maybe a little bit better vision. They're very similar body types. Just really like for a power forward with his type of speed and his type of skill, he was drafted 19th overall. That's insane that he goes that late in a draft. So it's uh, it's good for him, but that was in that epic 2003 draft. Matt, that's amazing that he's picked 19th overall, and he's like not even not even the best player to come out of that draft. If you put him in any other draft, he's the best player in that draft. You got Eric Stahl, you got Flurry. There's it's crazy how many guys are still playing from that draft. Jeff Carter, Bergeron, Dustin Brown, Zach Parisi, Bergeron. I'm talking about first rounders, Tim. Bergeron was second round, correct? He was. Keep that mouth out of your name out of your mouth right now. But anyways, good friend. I'm. What, so, do you think they'll keep it up with the young guys? They got Zgrass. They got Drysdale. They got Lundstrom. They got all these exciting young players, like really electrifying young players. Are they going to keep this up? What do you think? Are they going to finish first in the Western Conference? No. Um, but like you said, that Pacific Division is just so wide open that they could easily, you know, steal a spot there if they can just play close to this level to the rest of the year. And like you said, even when, even if the rookies hit a wall, they have an off night, whatever, they still got John Gibson in that. So, yeah, I think this is a solid team that has a chance of making a playoff spot. I am. So, I had no idea they were in first place. I'll be completely frank with you. It's amazing that they're in first place. Is this a testament to them being a good team? Is it an indication of the Pacific being bad? Or is it just teams underperforming? Teams like Vegas, Edmonton, teams like Colorado – and then St. Louis has slowly but surely started to fade back into the crowd. Or is this just Anaheim being a really good team? Because when you look at the top of each division, Central has Winnipeg, could, surprising, and the Pacific has Anaheim. You would never have guessed those two teams are at the top. And the two teams you thought that would compete for the lead, Colorado and Vegas, are nowhere to be found. What is what? I don't understand what's going on. Is it injuries? Obviously, that plays a part with Vegas and Colorado now with McKinnon being out. Or is it just fatigue of being too good for too long? I don't know. It's a little bit of both. Like in this eight-game win streak, last week they or the other day they beat um, Washington, you know, pretty good team. They beat Vancouver, not a good team. They beat Seattle, not a good team. Vancouver again, Blues, pretty good team. Arizona, New Jersey. So it's like um, in Montreal before that. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a fun story. And it's a likable team. I hope they keep winning. Well, don't look now. Another team that has kind of caught fire, as you like to say, is the Chicago Blackhawks. They have won four in a row since the coaching change. This new guy, Grant, has taken over. And they've just, and mind you, like we talked about the competition they play, they beat Arizona. That's great. They beat Seattle. But they also beat Nashville and Pittsburgh, who are two pretty you know, good teams. Have we written off Chicago too early? Is there some life there to where stranger things have happened. We saw St. Louis do it a few years back, make a run to the Stanley cup. I'm not saying they're going to make a run to the Stanley cup, but the Western conference isn't that strong. The central has proven to be a little shaky. St. Louis, like I said, has fallen back. Nashville's jumped up a little bit. Everybody's still trying to jockey for position. No one really knows who's the best team in this division. It's very just all over the place. Do you think Chicago will make a run? They have players. 
everybody was raving about their offseason other than the over, over, you know, reach of Seth Jones, in my opinion. But even him, he's been playing really good hockey, Seth Jones. I've caught a few of their games. He's playing really, really good. He's getting up the ice. He's playing really sound defensively. He's adding, you know, on the box score every once in a while. Could we see Chicago jump back into contention here? Or are they done? I hope so. Um, I'm a little concerned just based on, you know, how bad their season start to the season was. And we'll put them out of the, not, not out of contention, like statistically, but it's hard to come back from that. Cause the other teams at the top of the division are going to keep winning too. You expect Winnipeg to be there. You expect Minnesota to be there. Nashville played really well on the blues, like, and then Colorado's ahead of, you know, it's just like, it's a tough division. I don't know that they can edge those guys out, but certainly I think they're, we knew they were better than it, what they were doing. Um, Flurry's playing better. The guys are putting up points. Seth Jones got 14 points in 16 games. Like he's playing really well. So yeah, I, I think we could see them going on a little bit of a run, but it'll be hard. It'll be hard to get a playoff spot. See, I, I disagree a little bit. I don't think it'll be that difficult. Um, I do think those teams you mentioned are good, but I do think it's it's going to be a streaky season for everybody in the West. I don't. They're not as strong as the teams in the East. You could take five or six teams in the East, plop them in the West, and they're the five or six best teams in the West. I just think that's how strong the East is. You you could even take eight or nine teams from the East, and they would all be top-tier teams in the West, any one of them. So I, I do think it's going to be a streaky season. Teams are going to go on runs, and then they're going to go on famines, you know, feast or famine, where you're going to win eight in a row, then you're going to lose six in a row. And it's just a matter of finding that consistency. Right now, I don't think any team in the West has found – a really good consistency, you know, it's just been hot and cold streaks and the team that finds that hot spot. It's like, okay, you know what? We're going to lose two in a row, but we're not going to use lose five in a row. That's okay. I've been on many teams and everybody pushes like it's okay to lose. Everybody's going to lose. What you don't want to do is just, just lose five and get those really, really bad streaks. Like you want to max it out of two. That's the idea. So it'll be interesting to see how this shakes up because I honestly don't know. Obviously, Anaheim has the advantage with Lundstrom. But other than that, it's it's a crapshoot. It really is a crapshoot in the West right now, especially with Colorado and Vegas, just not showing up like everybody thought they were, not dominating like everybody thought they should. So it'll be interesting. Avalanche have played better of late. Mind you, is there a player more hated than Nazim Kadri? Did you see the little antics he did with uh, Bennington the other day when they played St. Louis? No, I know they've, they've had antics in the past. They got history, obviously. But, yeah, they they had a little <clears throat> run in behind the net. Bennington, the whistle blew, and he went right after Kadri. Stuck his stick in his face, and he kind of circled around and did did a full-on swing at Kadri's face and didn't and missed him. And Kadri's like, what? And then Kadri ended up getting a penalty on in the whole situation. But is there any other player – who is hated more than Kadri in the NHL that you could think of at the top of your head? I mean, polarizing players like Tom Wilson or Marchand or honestly, PK Subban this year with all the slew foots he's doing, but Kadri is certainly up there. He just, for, for whatever reason, it's the way he plays. Obviously he's, he plays on that edge. You got to fly in your house, Tim. I have a fly. Uh... Buzzing around. It's a weird type of time of year for the flies to be on. But anyways, moving on, there was a retirement. It's always strange when the people retire at this stage of the season. It's like, I, I thought you retired 10, you know, a, two, three years ago, much like the Marion Gabrick retirement. Apparently, Dion Phaneuf had yet to retire. So he has officially retired. I have a, a track record with Dion. We, we battled against each other many, many times in my days in Buffalo, and he was in Toronto, and there was a 
there was a lot of stuff going on during those those days, Tim. There was a lot of back and forth between both of us, and uh, it was it was a, a hate hate relationship. I don't think there was a lot of love lost between the two of us, but he he tallies up his career. He had a, just over a thousand games, almost got to five hundred points. He was three All Star games, which is easy to make an All Star game. Um, never made the Olympic squad, which is surprising to me. You know, he was the prototypical defenseman for a long time. Like when, when he came out and he was in Calgary, he was the guy, he was the hard hitting, the big shot, the get up the ice, the, the physical defenseman, everybody wanted and everybody needed. He was the guy. If you could mold a defenseman, it would have been Dion Phaneuf at that time. So it's a little surprising to me that he never played on an Olympic team. Is that, is that weird to you? Or is just Canada so deep on defense where you have to be a 10 time all-star to crack that lineup? Um, a little bit of both. It was surprising to me, but also I feel like Phaneuf's peak was very early and very short. Like when he was that elite type 1A defenseman that you could just like, you know, top five in the league, top three, whatever, it didn't last for very long. He, it was, he had that window with Calgary, and I feel like he wasn't the same player in Toronto. And then, you know, he had injuries for the rest of his career. But I, I was surprised he hadn't put up even 500 points with a 1,000 games. Like I would have thought he was like a – 50, 60 player more often, but he only scored more than 50 points twice. And both of those were in his three first three years in Calgary. So um, it does surprise me. He wasn't on the Olympics, but again, like his window is pretty short. Yeah. I, he was never really uh, a huge puck moving offensively gifted defenseman. He had a cannon for a shot. Like he really did, but he was never known as a guy who was going to deke out the whole team, you know, and really go on a rush and just do a lot of, crazy stuff with it but 500 points is, is 500 points for defensemen that's that's a really good really good numbers but anyways he he was a good player i obviously had that little comment about him because he chickened out here's the thing i called him princess Finuff, and it got a lot of press it was during our toronto rivalries and I, here's what happened we were in toronto i went to hit him and he he was kind of wheeling the puck around the net he was coming up the ice i think we were down by one and I'm like, I'm going to line up this guy. And so I left my position. I was locking down the left wing or right wing, wherever it was. And I went for it. I'm like, there was a guy on his hip. I think it was um, Mike Zigamanis or somebody else. And I, I, I had him dead to rights. I'm like, this guy's going to be done. And he just goes down and he takes my knees out. And I, I, I go behind over tea kettle, twist my knee up a little bit. I go down. I'm like, what happened? And then obviously Orr's on the ice and McLaren's on the ice and I'm on the ice and everything goes awry. Colt Nor comes flying and his skates are all of a sudden right by my neck. And I'm like, what's going on? A huge scrum ensues all because of enough bailed out of a check. And so I had an interview after the game. I was still pretty heated. And I said, yeah, Princess Phaneuf doesn't like to get hit out here. I don't know what he expects when you're carrying the puck up the ice. And that took a life of its own and everybody in Toronto got, and everybody hated me even more. Cause I think I'd already jumped Phil Kessel by that point. And it was just, it was awesome. I'll be honest. Like it was, it was fantastic. The rivalry we had between these two guys. And the, the only thing that ir- irked me with Dion, he wouldn't say anything. He would not say a word. Maybe that was smart on him, but he would not say a word. He just kind of went about his business and just played the game. And it was annoying. I'm like, chirp me back. Like, come at me, bro. Like, let's, let's get, have a good, a good rivalry here. But I don't know. He was a good solid player. What ruined him. And I, I want to be completely honest is when he got traded to the Leafs. I think that's what ruined his career. He was really good in Calgary. He, he was 
a medium sized fish in a medium sized pond. They had a really good team at the time. They had Robin Regeer. They had Giordano was still there. They had a lot of good defensemen to kind of surround him. And he went to Toronto and he was all of a sudden thrust into the role of like, you are the guy, you are our savior. Our defense has always been an issue. Here you go, Dion, take us to the promised land. And I don't think he could handle it. I think he was a small town farm boy who enjoyed just his, his time to himself. You know, he played hockey in Red Deer. He's obviously from out West. He's from Edmonton, I think. I think it was too big of a, too big of a situation for him. He didn't like it. I, I I would say the same about Phil. Phil didn't like it there. And Toronto does that to you. It ruins your love of the game. And I feel like that's what happened with Dion. You can see it in the interviews. There's like montages of him giving answers. And it's just, you can see the hatred in his eyes. You can see the frustration. And he just does not want to be there. So that's what's ruined him. He went to Ottawa and he played pretty good hockey when he went to Ottawa. And he kind of revived his career. And not, mind you, he didn't play bad in Toronto, but he wasn't the same guy he was in Calgary. So I just feel like that's what happened. He he went to Toronto and he just, it's tough. It's tough to succeed in Toronto. It's one of the toughest cities to succeed in. And if you do win there, you're, you're praised. They'll throw parades for you. There'll be statues erected in your honor. But if you don't, they just rip you up and down. And they they there's no shame. They will go after every inch of you. And he was dating um, that actress, Cuthbert, and then... Yeah. There was a whole Sean Avery thing and it was just a bad situation. And I kind of felt bad for him because the guy didn't do anything. He just played hockey. He went about his business and he didn't ask to be thrown in this situation. He was traded to Toronto from Calgary and it just didn't work out. He, he signed a big deal there and they, they, they had big expectations, but I don't know. Good. I'm happy he's retired because he had a good career. Does he hall of fame? No. No, not a chance. Not even, not even one vote from some offbeat writer who liked Dion. Oh, there's always those, but no, he won't get into Hall of Fame. I agree. Not even going to be a comment about him. You know what? I don't agree. Is I'm hungry. I had lasagna for breakfast, and I want more food. I'm going to fire up my DoorDash app, Tim, and I'm going to get some breakfast for lunch. And I can do that because DoorDash can make anything happen for you. They can bring you any type of food at any type of any time of day, wherever you want it. You want hot, hot food on a hot day. They'll do it. If you want cold food on a cold day, they'll do it. If you're crazy like that, I want breakfast for lunch and I'm going to do it. I'm going to fire up my DoorDash app. I'm going to go to my nice breakfast spot here in Traverse City. It's the town plaza. I love that place. They have the best pancakes I've ever had. I'm going to go boop, DoorDash, Town Plaza. There it is. Order it up. DoorDash will pick the food up, bring it to your office right now. I'm at work. And that's how it works. It's the easiest platform. They make it super easy. <clears throat> Everything is seamless. You get food. You can get it from any restaurant in your area. Everybody's on board with DoorDash because they are the absolute best in the business. They're not like all these other fly-by-night jobs that just pop up and then they're gone or they need tons of tips and this and that. And you see the videos, DoorDash, they treat their employees right. They're the good company. Check them out. I like them. Tim uses them. So go to DoorDash.com, check them out on your app, enter promo code GlovesDD. If you're in Canada, if you're in Traverse City like me or in the USA like me, enter GlovesDDUS. You get 25% off your order and you get free delivery on your first order. And it's a great deal. So check it out. Does us a favor. Does you guys a favor. Use guys. And it's just food. Everybody eats food. You know what I mean? Like, why not do it with DoorDash? And why not just give us a little bit of bump in our ratings? Because it would help me out a little bit, you know? I'm eating lasagna for breakfast for Pete's sake. I obviously need some help. 
I got a lot of problems in my life at this point. And it's not even homemade lasagna. It's Costco lasagna. Oh, no. <laughs> which is not terrible, but it's not that good. <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about another California team who, much like lasagna from Costco, is not as good as homemade. The San Jose Sharks. Everybody was all, oh, San Jose, they won a few. And much like this is what I said, the Pacific teams. They're going to go on streaks. So we could talk about San Jose next week. And next thing we know, we're on a four-game win streak. They have, let's just say, have seen better days. They have fallen drastically in the in the standings. I think they're sixth or seventh right now in the Pacific, which is a really weak, weak division. They have not been playing good hockey. They have been, you know, letting up a ton of goals, not being too strong defensively. The coach, old Bob Boodner. No nonsense, Bob, is what I like to call him. They've had a string of just hard ASS coaches in San Jose. They had Pete DeBoer. Now they got Bob Bootner. These poor players probably are just like tired of getting yelled at. So Bob made a comment about friend of the show, Mark Edward Vlasic's play. Tim, break down what Bob said to us exactly. So Vlasic and CMEC have been D partners for most of the season. And he was asked the other day, about their play as a pairing, and he described it as average at best, quote-unquote. And then, so C-Mick got a healthy scratch, not Vlasic, and he and but the coach said again, to be honest, I think that the decision could have could have went either way. So it, it's, it's I always think it's kind of remarkable when the coach was willing to say that kind of stuff to the media. And at this point, he must have had multiple conversations with Vlasic, right? And he's like, hey, it's not hitting home. My, my message isn't getting across, and now I'm going to throw a little shade his way publicly, and hopefully that lights a fire. Is that kind of how those things go? Yeah, everything's calculated. He's not going to say this just for no reason. He knows what he's trying to do. Obviously, Mark Edward Vlasic was once a premier defenseman in this league. He was once regarded as the best shutdown defenseman in the entire NHL. He was paid handsomely for his, his work. He obviously was really, really great on the international stage, but much like everything else, time marches on and he doesn't look like the same player he once was when he was winning gold medals and anchoring San Jose's defense on those Stanley cup runs. He looks old. He looks tired. He looks slow. He's 34 years old, but he's played a ton of hockey. He's played, like I just said, on the last couple Olympic teams. San Jose's had a lot of deep playoff runs. He never misses any games. He plays, I want to guess, he's played 82 games in a bunch of seasons. Let me pull it up right now. Yeah, 81, 72. Even with the lockout years, he's played every single game. So he plays a hard brand of hockey. He gets in lanes. He gets hit. He he plays hockey, you know, he, he's physical. It's he's a friend of mine. So I don't want to, you know, say things that are mean, but it's, it's a tough situation. You know, he, he's not going to put up the points that he once did and he never really put up a ton of points, but you could lock him in for 25, 30. That was the guy you could get. He'll be lucky to scratch 10. You know, last year he had six and 51. For a player of his ilk, for a guy who's making what he's making, which is $7 million, which puts him, I think, in the top 10 of all defensemen in the whole NHL, you don't expect this type of output. And if you're Bob Boodner, you're in a tough position. It's like, am I going to bench a guy who makes $7 million? No, I can't do that. It, It sends a bad message. And we know from Pickles himself, he's... 
he's very hard to coach. He's very confident in his game. He is, he's very assured of, he knows what's best. And so if he thinks he's playing good, he's not going to change how he plays based on a coach's opinion or a coach's orders. And that's just the truth because Mark's a very smart dude. He, he's been around the block. He's played with a lot of good defensemen. And I could see him being a little stubborn in this situation. If Budner's like, you got to do this, you got to do that. And he'd be like, no, like I, I've heard it from the horse's mouth. He said, like, I, I feel like I'm coaching myself out there. I think even on the show, he said, you know, I, we just run the decor us. And so it is what it is. San Jose, they're in a tough spot. They have $27 million wrapped up between three defensemen. All of them are over 30 years of age. Two of them are going to be 35 years of age and over soon. And they're signed for a long time. It's, it doesn't look good. If there's already wear on the tires here with Mark Edward Vlasic, I don't know what to expect. You got this guy for another four years. It's, it's a bad situation. And it's not Mark Edward Vlasic's fault. Like he, he was a premier player when he signed that deal. He, he deserved every bit of that money from San Jose, but that's, that's the price you pay when you want to get big players and big names to stay in San Jose. So I don't know. I don't think it, I don't think it'll do anything with the coach's comment. I really don't. I think Pickles is just a very self-assured, somewhat stubborn young man or not even young anymore, you know, middle-aged man. And he's not going to change how he plays. You can't bench him. You just throw him out there and hope for the best. That's, that's all there is to it. San Jose, they are going to be a bad team at times. They will show signs of, you know, really great play because they have really great players, but for the most part, they're going to be a bottom half of the league team. But you know what? Budner's doing what he has to do. He's he's trying to light a fire under him, but there's no lighting a fire under Mark Gutterblastic. He's a very steady as you goes type player. And uh, that's good, you know, in in some regard. But other ways, it's like, yeah, you can't you can't get through it to him. That's that's just how I see the situation. I'm sure Pickles will send me a text later and be like, you're a jerk. I can't believe you said that. But I can't lie. You know, I, I can't. I, I, I try not to you know, pull any punches, but I don't want to lie to the listeners. I'm giving you my straight, honest answer, Tim. Did you see uh, Ryan Reed's fight the other night? We're already moving on. I just bore my heart to you. and You just move on to Ryan Reeves's fight. I'm transitioning. Yes, I did see his fight, Tim. Tell me more. <laughs> do you want to talk more about pickles? How does it make you feel? When you hear I'm having a cracker. About your friend? I'm having a cracker. Let's hear about Ryan Reeves. You're the coach making mean comments about your friend. Um, yeah, so Reeves fought his – this is kind of crazy. It was his first fight of the season, which I thought was really interesting because I, I don't want to say he was brought to New York to fight, but he was certainly there to enforce certain things and protect his guys, and he hasn't had to drop the mids until now, and he fought this rookie Pizzetta with Montreal, um, which is Pizzetta's first NHL fight. He's got about 15 or 20 in the AHL, but Reeves has got uh, an inch and 20 pounds on him. And he, hand, he handled him pretty pretty easily, I would say. Um, and it was kind of a funny comment after the game because Reeves had no idea who this kid was. Um, he said the rookie challenged him. And he's like, I was confused. I couldn't believe it was happening. I didn't know Pizzetta. And he's like, I, I assumed because he asked me to fight that he was like a big AHL brawler. He goes, I assumed he could fight, he said. Um, which I think was kind of funny because clearly he was way outmatched and outclassed there. Yeah, it was a boring fight. It was... Um... Much like every one of Ryan Reeves' fights, he's overpowers all of his guys he's fighting with. No one landed really any punches. Pinzetta was just trying to make a name for himself. 
you got to be careful for those AHL call-ups, though. I got, I, I had an AHL call-up, and Bo Boango, he cleaned my clock and Justin Johnson. So it, it was – Ryan Reeves is the strongest guy that is a fighter. I will say that. He has incredible strength. Uh, all of his fights end the same way, and he's a friend of the show. And I told him this. I'm like – you never land any punches and it's a very, I don't know if it's him not being accurate or guys being scared of him. Very rarely nowadays, do you see Ryan land a punch, right? It's just like swing, swing, swing. Someone falls down and it's just like, that was not fun. You know what? You want to watch a good fight. Look up the Alex to Yanni Gord fight from last night. That's a heck of a fight. Yanni's doing his Yanni thing. He's going after all these, you know, he, he, He's trying to make make stuff happen. Seattle's down. He, he's getting in Seth Jones's face, who's a big dude. In comes Alex DeBrinkett, who's every bit of five foot six and challenges Yanni Gore. These guys, both of them, I think combined are five 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 six, and it's a, a fantastic fight. The, there's gone are the days of the really really tough guys being in good fights because they train all off season. They learn how to box. They learn how to protect themselves. That's the problem. So everybody knows how to like, you know, hide their head and put their hand up and this and that, you know, who I love watching fights is um, Eric Goodbranson. He's been in some good fights this year. He plays in Calgary. He's got an unbelievable mustache and he goes out and he just throws bombs and it's really fun to watch him fight. I, I like those, those type of fights. So we should do a fight of the week segment or something because i think we don't give enough props and yes we are tied with hockey fights we don't talk about fighting that much anymore and there has been some pretty good fights out there like i'm not gonna like a i'm not gonna talk about liam o'brien fights because the guy's a, a loser but there's a lot of good fights fights that have happened we should we should we should look into that because there has been some good tilts this year but anyways check out the the alex to yanni gord fight it was a really good fight and to wins He's throwing bombs. It's just reckless mayhem. I loved it. As for the Reeves fight, I don't care. It, it was not a good fight. It, it doesn't surprise me that that's Ryan's first. Not really. No one wants to fight him because of his reputation. I thought he would have gone with Wilson at some point. I don't know if they haven't played each other. I think they have, but I don't know what the the deal is there, but it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. He doesn't fight anywhere. When you look at his fight card, I think what's the most fights he's had in the last five years, like five, six, he doesn't fight anywhere. He's too tough. No one wants to fight him. He's got that reputation, which is great. I had that. No one would fight me. And it was fantastic. I would ask fighters to fight big time fighters. Everybody knows big names, big, big names. And they would just, you know, be looking for quarters in the scrum. And it's fantastic because I didn't want to fight him, but I was just trying to do my job and I would be slashing him and burying him. This and that guys who like, people would say would beat my doors off like big, big names. And they're like, Oh no, sorry, John. And it just, it just happens when you get that reputation. Oh, moving on to, we talked to, I talked about the, the Chicago Blackhawks maybe inching back into contention. Let's talk about teams who are currently out of the playoff picture right now, if the playoffs were to start the day, but who were expected to be in the playoffs. We, we mentioned the Avs, we mentioned the Knights, and there's a few other teams that people thought, the New York Islanders, Stanley Cup, most people picked them to win the Stanley Cup. And then your Boston Bruins. Which one of these teams is most likely to not make the playoffs based on what you've seen so far? 
Well, so yeah, statistically, it's the Islanders because they're in eighth place. The other team, the Bruins are in fifth, Abs are in fifth, Knights are in fifth in their division. So statistically speaking, it's the Islanders. But uh, it's just so hard to keep, you know, count those guys out. I, I don't know. I threw it on Twitter and I asked the, uh, the fans and we've had a couple hundred votes so far. And, and the Islanders are uh, kind of running away with it with 45 percent of votes. Um but man, that's a crazy thing to think about. A team that was in the Western or Eastern Conference Finals last year, a team that we said, like, you know what, this is, both of us said they were cup contenders. They're going to get past Tampa this year. This is the year they they finally do it. And right now, they're last place in their division. They're behind Pittsburgh. They're behind the Devils. Like it's crazy. Much like we talked about the West, it's a tough road back if you're in that metropolitan division. It really is. When you look up at who's ahead of you, it's not like you're Vegas. When you can look at the standings, you go, okay, I got to get by Anaheim. I just got to make, make sure I, I stay ahead of LA and San Jose. And then you're Colorado. It's like, okay, I need to beat St. Louis, who is skidding, Nashville, Minnesota, Winnipeg. Colorado knows they're better than every one of those teams. It's a no-brainer. If you're the New York Islanders and you look at who's ahead of you, you're like, gosh, Pittsburgh, they're going to get Malkin back. Crosby's coming back. Latang's back. They're a really good team. Oh, I got to get by Columbus. They're always a hard out. They're a very disciplined team. They work hard. They play hard. Vortech's been playing really, really great there. Liney's been back to his old self. Oh, I got to get by New Jersey. They all of a sudden are a competitive team. They got Dougie Hamilton. All the young guys are starting to come around. Oh, and then I got to go by Philadelphia. They got Carter Hart and uh, Martin Jones anchoring their back end. They got all these young guys. They got the, they brought in Rasmus Ristolainen. and they brought in Ellis. They brought in um, Atkinson from Columbus. They, they're a very good team. Oh, then I got to get by the Rangers. Oh, then I got to get by Carolina. Like there's not a weak team that you have to jump and hurdle. So as, as hard as it is to say, the best team out of those four teams that we just listed the Knights, the Avs, the Bruins, and the Islanders, the Isles have the hardest road, like you said, and it's just strictly based on their division. You put them in any other division, they have an easier road. If I'm Boston, I look at the schedule, I'm like, okay, I can get by Detroit. I'm in fifth place right now. Detroit's in fourth. I can do that. But who's behind me? Buffalo, Montreal, Ottawa. Not too worried about them. I think I can get ahead of Detroit and then hold off those four. It, it seems very, very doable. If I'm Vegas, I'm like, okay, like I said, I just got to get ahead of those guys. If I'm Colorado... It seems doable. If I'm the Islanders, man, oh, man, doesn't look good. If I'm Lou Lamorello, I'm like, what do, what do I have to do? I have a winning record. I went out and made all these moves. We have a really good team. It's just the nature of the beast. You're in a very, very difficult division. So I'm going to say the Islanders as well. As much as it pains me to say that, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. And everybody, everybody picked them to win the Stanley Cup. Like, I'm talking – Every expert picked them. That's uh, that's three years in a row for me. The team that I picked has not made the playoffs. And this is, you know, it's early. We're still a quarter of the way through. But I, Devils, Rangers, and now the I'm just staying away from New York State. Done. Yeah. Well, you had the Jets the year before that, too, I think. They might have made the playoffs, but they weren't even close. So It's just not good. I'm not good at picking Stanley Cup winners. Well, and the Islanders now are missing Ryan Pulak for the next four to six weeks, which is arguably their most important defenseman. So this is, yeah, it's, it's not looking good for those guys. Yeah. Uh, if anybody will figure it out, it's them. They, they've been through the battles, and we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, not looking good for the Islanders. What else, Tim? Barkov is also week to week. Oh, did you see that injury. hit? Yeah, didn't look good. Although the good news is they're saying no surgery needed, just rehab and rest and all that, which I think is, is good news. considering. Sometimes that's worse, though, because you don't fix the actual problem and you think you don't need surgery. Then it's just a lingering, nagging injury that just takes longer and longer and longer to rehab. But, yeah, very dirty hit. Islanders, toughest team in the league. Love that. 
Um, I got to, you know, speaking of, you know, underperforming, I'm, I'm 0 for 2 so far on my points bets picks. And, and all the people that followed me and bet their mortgage and their college, you know, their kids' college accounts are now, they're tweeting me angry. They're really upset and I can't blame them. But hey, I, I thought have, you picked um, Columbus the other day. No, I picked Detroit. You picked Detroit. Yeah. I told yeah. you Columbus was going to win, didn't I? Did I say that on air or off air? I think you said it on air. You're like, you picked Detroit to win outright. And I was like, yeah. Um, but Tim. I got a mortal lock that I'm excited to share. The Oilers and Jets are playing tonight. You said a lock? Oh yeah. Oh god. This is this is a guarantee. This is a shooting of the week. <laughs> yeah. And I got them for plus six goals. It was the score was five to two. They played each other on Tuesday. This is this is kind of like a high scoring, high powered offense. Both teams they tend to like you know play a little bit looser and, and focus on the offense. And Koskinen has been struggling a little bit lately for Edmonton. He's let up. Four goals, four goals, three goals, and five goals in his last four games uh, for the Oilers. And he's – it lets him out early, too. I saw a stat that, like, I think he's let a goal within his first five shots in all those – in, like, the last six, seven, eight, nine games or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think the combined plus six goals, I think it's an easy – I think it's an easy win, and I'm betting my 401K on that. What you I don't have, have a four – you don't have one – you don't have one of those, so it doesn't say um, – what does that mean, plus six goals? So they're combined going to score six goals? Yes. Or more than six goals. I think it's more than six goals. Oh, Tim, don't do it. More, so they have to score seven? Seven total goals in the game. Oh, man. I don't know, Tim. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Edmonton, Edmonton is meant to be a juggernaut. You got Connor Hellebuck. Like, that's going to negate a lot of – all right, this is your last chance. This is it. If, if you lose this one, I got to take it over. I do. Like, we can't keep steering our fans down. We're the, they're going to lose all their money. They're going to lose all their money. But, okay, so you, you, you're telling everyone to go to PointsBet. Is it PointsBet.com? PointsBet.ca. CA. And bet the farm on the over for <laughs> the Jets. And is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Lock it in. Over yeah. six. So they Guaranteed. have to score seven. Is six a push? Or it's is... gonna be like it's gonna be like five or three. It's I I, I bet they score eight. It's gonna be one nothing. It's gonna be terrible. And what do you do if you lose for our fans? What what are you gonna do? Just you know, keep trying and try again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, giving up. <laughs> uh, you definitely pick a risky bat. Over under is always risky, but the Oilers do have the best offensive team in the league. We'll see what happens. I, I hope goalie. I hope <laughs> I hope you do well, Tim. Is there anything else you want to? T- did you know Jabrinkin had a Gordie Howe hat trick? I did see that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a goal and assist in a fight. Did you know who never had a Gordie Howe hat trick? Gordie Howe. I think he did a couple times. He might have, but I don't know. I never had one. Um, I think that's it, Tim. In any other um, California tidbits, you have a lot of avocado when you're out there. I did not have any avocado. Uh, no, no, no crazy stories or anything. Although we, we did those, um, the lift bikes, which is like you can rent a bike like you can in a lot of bigger cities and drop it off like another location. But these ones have a little like motor scooter on it. Like there's a, so you like you pedal and there's like, it's like double the push. It's pretty yeah. cool, especially out like where the hills are and stuff. Or so we'd be like riding home in the dark and through these like kind of, backwoods in the Presidio Park and all that stuff. It was it was pretty fun. I don't think those bikes should be allowed on like 
bike lanes. They're too yeah. fast. We it's were zipping allowed. past everyone, everyone. Yeah, I, I, right. I think they should have need a license plate or something. They're too fast. They're too, it's too much. Too much too soon. All right, everybody. Have a good rest year. Are we going to do an episode tomorrow, Tim? Uh, I think we should. Yeah. All right. Well, you let me know. You say jump. I say how high, right? That's right. All right, everybody. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Hope you have a good day. Go get put your money down on Tim's bet. Jam the over button. Get yourself some money, I guess, right? It's all money. Right, Tim? Yeah, easy money. Easy automatic money. Why not? All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We appreciate the support. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.